1: All right, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome to the latest edition of Breaking Buffalo Rumblings. I am your host, Anthony Marino. Happy to be back with you for another episode and happy to have a special guest with me this week. None other than the host of the Locked On Bills podcast. You know him from the Draft Dudes podcast and of course his work at the Draft Network. But none other than Joe Marino joining us this week. Joe, how you doing, bud?
2: Anthony, I'm doing good. Always good to talk football with you and obviously very anxious for this season to actually start
1: you know what it seems like it's been a good off season for the buffalo bills but as you say that anticipation starts to come up where i think we all start to look forward to preseason games which is always a little bit scary in itself but they'll be here before we know it with the bills uh taking on the indianapolis colts in, in just over a week yeah,
2: looking forward to that. Wish Andrew Luck was healthy, you know, to get a truly a good look uh, against our first-team defense. But uh looks like it'll be Jacoby Brissett and still, still an opportunity for the Bills to get things fine-tuned and really start clicking because, as you know, this schedule is pretty favorable early on, and so the Bills need to take advantage of that.
1: No, absolutely. And as you get through the start of training camp – plenty to discuss and i want to get into the latest article that you had on the draft but before that i wanted to get your perspective a bit on the offensive line uh we're recording this on wednesday earlier in the day uh the news came of mitch morris being in the concussion protocol you know this was the marquee free agent signing for the bills during the offseason just wanted to get your take on the impact that may have and how concerned bills fans maybe should be
2: yeah you know i I wrote an article a few weeks ago about Mitch Morse and how important he was for Josh Allen's development. You know, having that center that uh, can really make sure that the offensive line is gelled up front and has the protection calls down, and just enables Josh Allen to focus on the secondary. And I was already like disheartened that he missed a lot of time in camp or you know OTAs in, in mandatory camp uh, with that with that uh, uh, core muscle surgery that he had. Uh, done earlier in the off season. And now just a few days into training camp, he's got a concussion, his fourth since being in the NFL in 2015. And, you know, I don't pretend to be a doctor, but I, I know that certain people are more susceptible to concussions than others. And this is a, a major letdown that he had yet another concussion, which is obviously the first concern. You don't want head injuries, right? And he's had several. But now from the football side of things, what it means for – his acclamation to the offense and really developing that chemistry with Josh Allen. So Anthony, I hate to start on a on a down note, but I there's just nothing to be positive about with Mitch Morse suffering yet another concussion.
1: Absolutely. And I guess if you want to gleam any sort of a positive, and not that they're positive is definitely not the right term, but it did seem like on the sidelines today, he was going through somewhat of a strenuous workout as far as doing some cardio work, working with trainers, at least from the reports. It does sound like that would be a sign that he is further along in the concussion protocol, maybe closer to getting back onto the practice field. But again, at this time, it has to be a concern for Bills fans. You don't want to get too dramatic with things, but at least it seems as if some progress is being made.
2: Yeah, there's no question, and it seems like he's on track to be back. It doesn't seem like this is going to be anything that bleeds into, you know, regular season games or anything like that. Like sometimes happens, right? There's sometimes you see players go on, uh, get into the concussion protocol, and they're there for a long time. I mean, think about Michael Orr in carolina i mean that guy was in there all like for the entire season and he winds up just retiring quietly and everyone's still kind of wondering how he's doing so you just never know with those concussions but i think my biggest concern is that it just kind of proves that he's susceptible to concussions you know four this is his fourth and uh while this one may clear up and he'll be ready to go here very soon when's the next one coming and and that's what's discouraging
1: Joe, not that we try to be too pessimistic on the podcast, but from my perspective, the Bills actually have depth at the center position this year. You talk about John Feliciano. You talk about Spencer Long. Give me your impression on these two guys as well, in case there is some sort of a worst case scenario with Morris. Talk to me a little bit about the depth and your perspective on these two guys.
2: Well, you certainly feel a lot better this year about the depth at center compared to last year when... It was Groy and Bodine, and neither one of them were overly, you know, solid at any one thing. And, you know, Feliciano's a player that really intrigues me coming over from Oakland, where he was behind three All-Pros in Kalichi Assembly, Gabe Jackson, and Rodney Hudson. And so um, a player that Bobby Johnson, the Bills offensive line coach, is familiar with, and uh, you hear a lot about him having an edge. And I think that's important, right? Last year there just wasn't a lot of space for the running backs to work with, and there wasn't a lot of moments where – you felt like Buffalo was winning up front with their offensive line. And so a guy with an edge sounds pretty appealing to me. And I think there's some untapped potential there with Feliciano. Spencer Long has had good seasons as a starter in the NFL, particularly with with Washington, that led to his big free agent deal with the Jets. Now he had some issues snapping the football last year due to a, uh, if I recall correctly, a finger injury that led to some erratic snaps. But when he's been healthy, Spencer Long's been a quality NFL starter. So I, I kind of get the feel that if you know if Morse goes down, that Feliciano gets that first crack at center, and then Spencer Long probably at right guard.
1: Joe who would have thought as Buffalo Bills fans we would have such a focus on the offensive line throughout training camp no real worries about the quarterback position and who might be the starter you talk about an area where there has been a transition let's talk a little bit about the right tackle position have you been surprised that Cody Ford was really lining up with the ones for the majority of training camp so far
2: you know it's interesting because uh you kind of look over the inventory of of high draft picks first second round picks with Sean McDermott as a head coach and you see wide-ranging things you know Tremaine Edmonds Trey White day one starters um but you know Ed Oliver's kind of earning his way and it seems like you know Josh Allen started off as a number three um but Cody Ford right he's kind of given that that first chance to claim that right tackle job and the Bills gave decent money to Ty and Secchi to come over and you know, you kind of saw some glimpses from the Embedded series that the Bills produced on YouTube that Buffalo saw him as a right tackle. And so it, it really feels like they, they want Cody Ford to claim that job. Now, he'll have to do that because if, if it doesn't work out, Ty Inseki's right right behind him. Um, but it, it certainly speaks to what they believe he can be right away at right tackle. And I know there was some discussion potentially about him being a guard, but it certainly feels like Buffalo wants him to claim that spot.
1: Joe, talk to me a little bit about Niseki. And our mutual friend uh, Bruce Nolan was on Twitter earlier saying there's no way that Niseki cannot be one of the top five offensive linemen for the Bills. And whether that means Ford is playing at guard, maybe Niseki is. Are the Bills, you know, are, are they looking at this situation and maybe shortchanging him by putting Ford to tackle too soon? Is it not giving Niseki the opportunity to? to really even earn that right tackle position. I mean, talk to me about what you know from his background, because we know it's been a little bit of a journey for him to get to this point in his NFL career.
2: Yeah, I'll uh, refer back to some discussions that I had with Brandon Thorne, who is an offensive line guru, spends a lot of time with NFL offensive linemen, really knows the position, and he's a big fan of Ty Nseki as well. And uh, one thing that Brandon will tell you, though, is that Ty Nseki's best football with Washington came on the left side. And he, he had his own struggles when it came to playing right tackle. And, you know, certainly guys are just more comfortable on one side of the line of scrimmage uh, compared to the other. I actually had a very long conversation with Eric Wood just a few weeks ago, and I turned that into a piece of content on the draftnetwork.com that people can read just about those challenges just from flipping from side to side. And, you know, I think that Ty Seki's a player that can play both, right? He's done it, but he's better on the left side. And you feel like De- Deion Dawkins is is kind of getting getting every opportunity to reestablish himself as the, as the preferred left tackle and really, you know, hopefully the guy that can be the answer there long term. So one thing I've seen a lot of times with NFL offensive lines is versatility gets you on the roster, but it keeps you out of the starting lineup. You know, a lot of times, like you think about these swing interior offensive linemen, guys that can play center and guard, well, they may be the best of the bunch at a certain spot, but because they can play multiple positions, and you don't want to get into the musical chairs thing when an injury happens. It almost feels like that they're kind of stashed. And, and I feel that way a little bit with Inseki right now. I mean, we're still you know barely into the second week of camp. Uh, so there's a lot to, to learn and figure out here as camp and preseason unfolds. But I do think if you go back to that that simple concept that you want to get your best five guys out there, it's kind of hard to get to that conclusion without inseki being one of those five. It just feels like the Bills want Dawkins and Ford to claim those jobs.
1: Joe, we talk about the depth on the offensive line. I know this group has not even played a preseason game together yet, but compared to the Bills offensive line last year, that it was such a struggle for us to watch uh, sort of the lack of performance that was there. Is there any comparison between this group and last year's group? I mean, how much better is the 2019 offensive line, at least on paper so far?
2: Well, I mean, you go back to the last year's offensive line and the Bills unexpectedly lose Eric Wood and Richie Incognito and then choose to trade Cordy Glenn. And those are three really good football players that literally almost overnight were all gone. And the Bills really didn't have the resources to do much in the way of replacing them. And so when I think left to right, the offensive line's going to have a better player at every single position. And I, I know what I said there. I meant left tackle as well because Deion Dawkins, he regressed as a sophomore. but I, And I think he's taken ownership of that. He's admitted that he didn't take the season quite as seriously as he, as he should have. We've heard a lot about what he's done this offseason in terms of diet and, and cardio to get himself ready. And really it sounds like there's positive reports so far out of camp. But I think there's going to be a much better version of him if he's you know starting left tackle in 2019, so I, I don't think you can you, you can sell this thing short. The Bills are better across the board when it comes to pass blocking for Josh Allen and opening those those holes in the run game. So I expect a much improved unit. Now the challenge ahead is getting this thing to whole work come together. Right, you've got Bobby Johnson, his first year as an NFL offensive line coach is the lead guy. All these new pieces, he's already got injuries. You know getting it all together finding the right five and getting it to gel I think that's the big task ahead to maximize what's a much 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 more talented group
1: Joe one more question for you on the offensive line the one spot we have not talked about yet is the left guard position Quentin Spain really been locked in with the first unit since training camp began gave me your talk on Spain I'm a little bit curious with this. He seemed to sign a little bit later during the free agency period, a modest one-year deal, but seems entrenched as the starter, at least so far.
2: Yeah, even with the broken thumb, right? He comes right back and claims that left guard spot. Definitely feels like he's one of the, you know, consistently the guy there at left at left guard. And, you know, Quentin Spain has is, is had a good career to this point coming from the Tennessee Titans. It's interesting. If you look at the way he's graded, um, he started off as a really, really good run blocker. And then his grades really kind of shift to a declining run blocker, but a better pass blocker. And so we know at at certain points throughout his career, he's been really good at being a pass blocker and being a run blocker. One thing that I think has gotten in the way of him being a more consistent performer, a guy that was more preferred when it comes to the landscape of free agents, was just that there's been so much inconsistency with Tennessee and its scheme I mean, ton of new offensive coordinators. It seems like every year, one of the big issues that's been, you know, been true with Marcus Mariota, he just hasn't been able to really, uh, you know, take the reins because he's getting a new offense every single year. Well, I think that extends to the offensive line, and 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 Quentin Spain is a player that, you know, I mean, they've they've transitioned completely different styles of, of run scheme, and of course, obviously, the you know, pass protections are always different. So I I feel bad that he hasn't had a chance to gel, but like, you have to to take solace in that he's been dominant at times in both pass blocking and run blocking can he put it all together obviously he's got a lot to prove he's on a one-year deal he wants to get paid and so i think the bills are primed to get the best version of quentin spain in 2019
1: well the buffalo bills offensive line definitely going to be monitored by by all of us fans media like Heading in through the start of the preseason next week, and really looking and saying, what is that starting five going to look like and which spots truly are being competed for at this time? Joe, I'd love to transition with you right now to your latest piece for thedraftnetwork.com. And as we mentioned before, the site is coming up on its one year anniversary. Congratulations to you and everyone there for all the work that you've done throughout the year right to think that it's only been a year but how much traction you guys have developed at this time it's just been fun to see and things that are fun to see your latest article talking about superlatives for the buffalo bills heading into the 2019 season would love to get your insight on some of the picks that you had here and what went into your thought process as you really put this together. Uh, You had different categories that you would identify players or departments for the Bills that really have the opportunity to step up during the 2019 year and would just love to get your take. Talk to me a little bit about your choice for the breakout guy. I thought this was an interesting one for you and really kicked off the article when you talk about your breakout player for the team.
2: Yeah, I went with Matt Milano. It seemed like that was the one spot where I, I could have went so many different directions but you know part of part of what's interesting about my job is I get to talk to Bills fans every day on the Lockdown Bills podcast and then I kind of also have this national stage with the Draft Network where you know my my following is extends much beyond the Bills Mafia I I get to connect with all the different fan bases and so sometimes when I write about the Bills and I know that I'm going to reach a, 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 a different People group, you know, not just Bill's mafia. I try to preach a certain message, and I wanted to get the gospel of Matt Milano out to the people because I think he's a star. I mean, if you saw what he did last year, I know you did. I mean, the splash plays, the turnovers, making plays in the ball, the way he defended Gronk, the way that he grew in terms of mental processing and the confidence, of attacking downhill, making plays in space, winning in coverage. I mean, you saw a star linebacker, and I know that it was cut short after thirteen. 13- games with that uh, was it a fibula if I'm not mistaken but he's been full go all off season long and I'm anxious to see him in year three I think behind a you know what I think is going to be a better defensive line with uh, Tremaine Emmons being even more comfortable as the mic Matt Milano is just gonna feast and you know the splash plays have already been there I think that they're only going to increase in 2019 and 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 not that he hasn't broken out already because I think that's what he did last year. But what I kind of said in that closing paragraph of that article was, I think it's time for the rest of the NFL to start recognizing the level of play of Matt Milano. And so for those reasons, I went with Matt Milano.
1: Well, I think a great choice would be tough for anyone to argue with that pick. A guy that you just referenced was your choice for rising star and linebacker Tremaine Edmonds. Shouldn't come as a surprise to any Bills fans. But again, you think a 20-year-old rookie in 2018, the sky is truly the limit for this guy.
2: Yeah, there's no question. I I, uh, I did an entire podcast episode dedicated to Tremaine Edmonds at some point. I can't remember if it was May or June, but uh, he was my number three overall prospect in the 2018 draft. I mean, and, and that was before I knew he was going to be a Buffalo Bill, right? An unbiased assessment of him. He was my third best prospect. I think when you just think about what he gives in terms of physical traits, in terms of maturity, I had done, I think Tremaine's final year, at Virginia Tech, I had, I had been to three of their games and got a chance to talk to a lot of people around the program, got a chance to talk to Tremaine Edmonds, and it was just overwhelmingly obvious that this was a guy that was wired the right way, not to sound like Sean McDermott, but you just know that he was mature and that he loves football and that he had that type of that type of demeanor about him that you can say, yeah, that's going to be my dude in the middle of an NFL defense. And he started shaky last year, right? Like preseason, you're like a little bit nervous. Regular season, he's starting to struggle. But as the season progressed, you saw him get a lot more confident. You saw a lot more opportunities where that physical upside that he has showed up with him attacking downhill and his length and pass coverage, getting him ha- getting some his hands on some footballs and really clogging up throwing lanes with his length. And I think that in this day and age in the NFL – where offenses are challenging defenses with pace and space. You need a guy like this in the middle of your defense, not only for the range, but that length. And, you know, you think about just how much stress is on a middle linebacker in in Sean McDermott's scheme alone in terms of what's on his plate as that Mike uh, on passing downs. But now, you know, you're seeing the NFL hitting these middle linebackers with RPOs and just putting them in really impossible situations to deal with. When you have the length, And the physical ability that Tremaine Edmonds has, it gives you a chance to defend an RPO. And I just feel like he's the the absolute perfect matchup neutralizer and chess piece for today's game. Uh, He's only going to be 21 years old this year. He moved around a little bit in averaging attack. And so I think just with more time and comfort in one spot as the Mike linebacker in Sean McDermott's defense, I think that he'll only grow and get more confident with his mental processing and keying and diagnosing plays. Uh, We we know he has the physical side. I think the mental side uh, really comes together for him this year, and and he becomes a, a true star in the middle of the defense.
1: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. Joe, remember back to early in the 2018 season, and so many fans alike were worried about Edmonds, right? Because he got off to that shaky start. You're thinking to yourself, gosh, the expectations were so high. You'd hear people saying, you know, can he be the Luke Keekly and Sean McDermott's defense for the Buffalo Bills? The expectations were through the roof. Now, for a guy that there weren't a lot of expectations for last year, because most Bills fans were not familiar with who he was, had no idea... Really, who he was when the team drafted him. Talk to me about your comeback kid because now he's become more of a household name for the Bills.
2: Yeah, Taron Johnson, cornerback, the the slot corner there. I I loved him coming out of Weber State. Uh, he was a player that I, if you read my scouting report on, you'll see a pretty glowing assessment of him. And um, you know, I got a chance to spend some time around him at the Senior Bowl. Uh, you know, which is anytime I get to spend time around guys, you really just get a better feel for who they are as people and, and their demeanor and, and all that type of stuff. And so I, I certainly was, it was beneficial to me, for me to be around him, but then you just watch a play like at Weber state, you know, is really good ball skills, really instinctive, a guy with a quick trigger. I mean, he's one of those dudes. That, I mean, I think Sean McDermott's actually called him a dog. You want that from your slot and just a guy that's going to recklessly come forward and be physical attack on those quick throws, play the run, And you saw all that happen for Teron Johnson. Now, the sucky thing was that shoulder injury, right? That thing popped like week one, like right away. And it it was like every game you're watching the Bills defense and there was that point in time where you saw Teron Johnson come off the field just grabbing that shoulder, and then somehow later on in the game he got back in there. I mean, eventually it ended his season. But just knowing how effective he was last year, knowing that he, he suffered that injury in week one, and was still effective as a slot corner, the primary slot corner on the number one pass defense in the NFL, holding opponents to less than 180 yards per game. Very excited to see him healthy in 2019. Obviously, with more comfort and experience in the system in 2019, and just building off of that experience. Right, he's still a young football player. I think the Bills, you know, are, are going to be really happy about him being the primary slot this year. And also, like, it's another layer to this is that Saran Neal. Is, is getting opportunities to work from the slot. And I think what that does is it creates opportunities to play the matchups a little bit. We haven't seen this type of depth on defense yet with Sean McDermott. And there's going to be certain situations where Saran Neal is going to be a more effective option. You're going to see situations where I bet you Teron Johnson and Saran Neal are both on the field in some dime sets when you're facing teams that like to flex out their tight ends or have a big slot. The Bills are finally equipped to really challenge the offenses with versatile uh, opponents. And I think that only makes Teron Johnson better. So obviously excited to see him this coming season.
1: Joe, as you went into this, how difficult of a choice was it for you? And I think my head was going in one place when I saw one of your categories was comeback kid, that maybe Trent Murphy was going to be in that spot for you. Obviously his teammates have been singing his praises early on through training camp, just to go off script here a little bit. What is your take on Murphy starting opposite Jerry Hughes and hopefully being healthy for this season.
2: Anthony, my mind has been everywhere when it comes <laughs> to, to Trent Murphy. Honestly, I mean, this coming season, like just trying to figure out who he is in the NFL, right? Because he's played in 60 games. He's not He's not a, a new player, right? And so you kind of look at this inventory of his career. Obviously, he missed all of 2017 with the, with the injury. Uh, but, you know, he as a rookie, two and a half sacks and seven quarterback hits, 2015, he has three and a half sacks and 10 quarterback hits. And then 2016, he has nine sacks and 25 quarterback hits. And 2018, he has four sacks and nine quarterback hits. I don't know, but I, I'm, I'm not necessarily the best data guy, but it looks like 14, 15, and 18 were pretty much the same season, right? Like, that's like, is that who he is? I don't know. Like, it was 2016 an anomaly? And so that's what I'm trying to figure out because – I mean, if the Bills get 2016 Trent Murphy, that's going to be sensational. But I have three other seasons on his resume that suggest he's a different type of player. And plus, he's been, bang, you know, he was banged up last year, had a missed the entire 2017 year. But then you hear all this really good stuff about who he is in camp, and Leslie Frazier's really speaking his praises. So I don't know what to expect with Trent Murphy. I really don't, uh, I, it, which is weird for a player who's played in 60 games.
1: <laughs> well, I, Bills fans. Obviously, anxiously await to see what his season can look like. I think at least the consensus right now is 2016 was fantastic. Obviously, the injury in 2017 and last year, there just wasn't that that confidence in himself almost recovering from that injury. I think we heard Lorenzo Alexander talk about it the other day and hopefully he can round back into form, but will be an interesting one to watch a guy that has been interesting to watch so far in training camp has truly been the darling of fans and media is uh, your dark horse MVP candidate. And I'm just, if he can live up to the expectations he's set so far, I, I think it'll be an exciting season for fans alike. But why don't you tell me about your pick there?
2: Yeah, I went with John Brown, the wide receiver. You know, it's been interesting this off season to have discussions with bills fans about, you know, does this team need a true fide alpha number one wide receiver? And it's kind of a wait and see thing right like because the bills don't have that and maybe at the end of the season we'll go back and say well i wish the bills would have got one or maybe it's john brown right maybe this is the player is already on the roster um the deep ball you know his ability to get vertical and stress secondaries deep and josh allen's ability to launch the football is an exciting combination and we've heard some really good things about how that's Uh, taking form so far in camp but I think where I become most encouraged is the other stuff that John Brown and Josh Allen are developing chemistry at all levels of the field and John Brown's running a a variety of routes that are in sync with Josh Allen and and you know when you can really stress defenses vertically it opens up a lot of possibilities when you cut off those routes because I mean you (laughs) you, you're worried about running with the guy deep and then he breaks it off and you get that timing down you're going to be a really difficult tandem to defend and so You know, I think the Bills are going to pass the ball a lot more this year, hopefully a lot more efficiently. And I think a guy that's going to receive a lot of a lot of targets is John Brown at all levels of the field. And so, um, you know, if you think about who's going to be the catalyst for this offense, really taking a step forward, John Brown makes a lot of
1: sense. Well, and again, early on in training camp and turning a lot of heads, it seems like he's developed a nice rapport with Josh Allen already. Now, we talk so much about the offense. I think as fans, it's easy to put our attention there. You talk about Allen and his development as a quarterback. But your candidate for don't forget about, you focused on the entire defensive side of the ball. And I thought that was an interesting choice. But tell me why you went with that unit uh, as your pick for, you know, you don't want to forget about this group.
2: Yeah, you know, it's I've done a, a ton of different radio spots with WGR and, and uh, ESPN in Rochester, different podcasts. We're always talking about the offense, right? We're talking about how the running backs all work together and who's going to catch the football and Josh Allen in year two and this offensive line. It's like, whoa, whoa, let's uh, let's not forget the strength of this football team is the defense, the number two defense in the NFL. I already dropped the stat on there that the Bills are the number one pass defense holding opponents to less than 180 yards per game, which is unheard of in, in today's NFL. And I think there's a lot of reasons to believe this defense can be better in 2019. I mean, you start up front uh getting a penetration style wrecking ball defensive tackle like Ed Oliver. I don't think that's something Sean McDermott's had in, in his last two seasons with the Bills. I mean, I'm not going to try to take anything away from Kyle Williams, who's, you know, the the player that everybody loves and they should, and he's been the heart and soul of the franchise for a long time. But, you know, over the last couple of years, Kyle Williams wasn't that same dynamic guy that he was earlier in his career. And I think that you get that in Ed Oliver there's really good reports about Jordan Phillips. If if Trent Murphy comes along like we anticipate, like if Shaq Lawson, uh, you know, positions himself in a contract year to give hit the Bills his best performance. You like what's happening up front. Jerry Hughes, obviously a premier pass rusher. We talked about the linebackers and Edmonds and Milano, and you've got this rock solid secondary. Poyer and Hyde are like the best duo in the NFL. Trey White's a star corner. They've they've improved things opposite of him. Teron Johnson comes back as a slot. You heard me talk about the versatility of the defensive backfield already. And this is a de- this is a guy in Sean McDermott that knows how to coach and scheme defense. And you've got you've got really good personnel across the board. You've got you've got uh, you know what I think like premium talent at every single level. Let's not forget about this defense that it's the strength of this of this football team uh, as the offense kind of comes along. This defense will be the reliable unit.
1: Well, it's going to be interesting to see, especially with the additions that they've made, right? As you talk about the depth on defense that Sean McDermott has not had yet in his time with the Bills, it does make it exciting for Bills fans to follow. Now, the, the last subject that we have, and now you... Needs to rebound. We talked about the offensive line already, so I don't need to go into that anymore. But under the radar, you knew as we went through this that Josh Allen was going to have to come up on this list at some, some point. And for you, under the radar, year one to year two difference for Josh Allen, talk to us a little bit about that. Of course, this focus point, focal point of so many Bills fans this offseason.
2: Yeah, you know it's it, it's um, again kind of going back to what I was talking about earlier about preaching a message to the NFL fan bases, you know whoever was willing to click on on the article. Um, I wanted to share some of what I think maybe gets overlooked when it comes to Josh Allen and and his rookie season um, because I don't think it was very ideal. The difference is that you know what what was in place in year one to what's in place now and what Josh Allen had to overcome as a rookie, because, you know, people are going to point to completion percentage and they're going to point to, uh, you know, completions per game and touchdown to interception ratio and like totally disregarding the context of what was in place last year for this bill's offense. I mean, I, I kinda, I started off by talking about just the fact that he's a, a, a raw prospect, right? Not even the biggest Josh Allen truthers coming out of the draft, recognize that he was a raw prospect coming out of Wyoming. And you you really get concerned when you think about when Josh Allen was tasked with playing against Power Five teams, just how much he struggled. And so you've got this this guy stepping into an NFL offense. His starting receivers are Jeremy Curley, Calvin Benjamin, Andre Holmes. All of those guys were released by week thirteen. As I already mentioned, he was in a three way battle for the starting quarterback job with Nathan Peterman and A.J. McCarron. All 3 of those guys wanted to start so you question the chemistry and the camaraderie of that room in terms of putting the team first when you everyone kind of have their own selfish ambitions and he just didn't get the reps, right? So like when you have that many guys vying for the job, the reps aren't there. And so Josh Allen's kind of kind of plodding ar- along getting some opportunities but not not significant especially for a, a raw prospect and then he gets thrust into action, like, almost immediately because Nathan Peterman has another Nathan Peterman performance. And, you know, he's got a quarterbacks coach, David Culley, who he was never a quarterback coach in the NFL prior to that. The last time he specifically coached the position was at UTEP in 1990. I've talked about the offensive line and how poor that unit was last year and how the Bills really didn't have the resources available to get it right. And, like, no wonder he struggled. Right, like, and that's not a recipe for anyone to find success. Now, we did see it get better when he came back from injury in the Jacksonville game over the last six weeks of the season, and there was a lot of things that were different from week one to week twelve when he came back. Right, like, the, the Bills did make an upgrade at offensive line as best they could in terms of getting Wyatt Teller in the mix, and then they added more speed at receiver with Robert Foster and Isaiah McKenzie taking on more prominent roles and you know getting rid of guys like Andre Holmes and Kelvin Benjamin who were quite honestly constipating the unit and then Josh Allen finally had an opportunity to have peers around him that are experienced quarterbacks the Bills went and got Derek Anderson and Matt Barkley and all of a sudden there's guys that have his best interest in mind well no wonder Josh Allen was way better down the stretch and now he enters 2019 is the undisputed starter. He's been the guy from day one. He's getting all the reps, the timing, all that stuff. The offensive line's better. Everything on the offense is better. Wide receiver, tight end, running back. And you have to remember where he's come from if you want to get really excited about where he's going. Now, it all has to happen, right? I'm preaching a good sermon here, but it still has (laughs) to happen. And we're going to find out here very soon. But everything is in place in terms of how the Bills have improved things around him compared to last year.
1: Joe, from your perspective, and I I ask this because you're always very reasonable in your takes, right? And I think for Bills fans throughout training camp, you see Allen's interaction with the fans, engaging with the kids, doing all the right things. I mean, he has truly become the face of the franchise this offseason for the Bills. And there's always that piece where you Right. We've been burned by quarterbacks in the past. I mean, this team has struggled to find that franchise quarterback, but almost feeling like this, this can be the guy. But when you talk about expectations this, this season, And what would be realistic to expect from Josh Allen? I would love to get your take on this. I heard your podcast earlier with Jamie Eisenberg talking about his take, which I thought was uh, a little bit pessimistic, which I can understand, you know, from that national perspective, but would love to hear your thoughts on, on what you would like to see from Allen this year.
2: You know, it's, it's, it's interesting, right? Because I, I think in, on one hand, You know, a lot of times when we talk about how good a quarterback is, we want to point to statistics. Sure. And I I don't know that traditional measures are going to be the answer when it comes to defining whether or not Josh Allen's an effective NFL quarterback because I don't think his completion percentage is ever going to be above 60. And I don't know that he's always going to be the most efficient overall quarterback. But when I look back on the 2019 season, whenever it ends, I want to continue to believe that Josh Allen is the right direction at quarterback right now. I feel good about that, right? he finished the season strong and we talked about all the things that are different and the reasons why he could be a lot better and and grow in this coming season. Um, And so my expectation for him is for him to continue to make me a believer. I wasn't, I I wasn't a believer going when he was drafted. I didn't want anything to do with him. He, you know, like he was not a player that I would have taken in the first round, let alone, trade multiple assets to get into the top 10 to get like, you know, I struggled with that very much. And when I saw him take the field early on in his career, every fear that I had was manifested on the football field when Josh Allen was playing. I don't know if you recall this, but I wrote an article talking about Josh Allen and how he limited a bad supporting cast. And I literally said, Josh Allen is the worst thing about this offense. And at the time, I, I think I was correct, and I gave—I think I gave really good examples, and I stand by what I said at that time. But he grew and he developed, and I want to continue to see that, and I want him to continue to win me over as a believer. And uh, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, he's—you know—it'll. It, his expectations are to throw 30 touchdowns, complete uh, 62% of his passes, uh, average 47 rushing yards a game. I don't know. Like, is he hard to defend? Does he keep the offense moving? Does he score points? Because he's not a normal quarterback. He's a different type of player. And I think he's one that you can definitely win with. I just want to continue to see it, and I want to believe it. And uh, he's got a 16-game sample size right in front of him to make us believers.
1: Joe, always love the perspective that you bring, not just to myself, but to all Bills fans, the work that you're doing with Locked on Bills, the Draft Network. Why don't you tell the listeners where they can can find all of your great work to make sure that they're following you in social and staying up to date with everything that you've got for us.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that, Anthony. Always enjoy talking with you as well. Um, the best spot's Twitter. At The Joe Marino is my Twitter handle. As Anthony's told you, I have a daily Bills podcast, Lockdown Bills. I have a daily NFL Draft podcast, Draft Dudes. And I put out uh, at least five written articles a week for the thedraftnetwork.com. So uh, never stop in this, this content production. And uh, if you want to keep track of it, The Joe Marino on Twitter is going to be the spot.
1: Joe, thanks again for joining us on the podcast this week. Again, to to all of our listeners, make sure you check out Joe and his fantastic work. Check out Locked On Bills, the Draft Network, and of course, the Draft Dudes podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Breaking Buffalo Rumblings this week. We'll be back with you next time. Take care.